Hello, welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. It's good to have you tuned in for the program. As Francis Schaeffer said, Jesus doesn't give us an alternate way of looking at the world. He gives us the actual way of looking at the world. There is much talk these days about equality. As humans, we were created with equal worth, and as such, it is accepted that taking another human life is at very least not okay. But what about those in the Defence Force? How is killing different to murder? It's a big question. Tonight, Dr. Corbett continues his series, 10 Proven Keys to Successful Living. Tonight, number nine in the series, the message MI6 did not want you to hear. Father, as your word speaks to our minds, fills our hearts and fuels our hands, may we hear, heed and be changed as a result of being in your house, in your presence today. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you do what only you can do now in these next few moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been going through a, a series about life balance and looking at the 10 proven principles of life balance. And as we have been doing that, I've been taking one of the characteristics of, of life of a life in balance. It's taken from Jeremiah 18 where God tells Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and watch him. And as Jeremiah watches the potter, God says, am I not the potter? And are not my people the clay? And yet, he says, they refuse to stay on the wheel. And there's a point at which if this went out here, it, you know, it would be out of balance. And it was a lump of clay. It would end up becoming distorted. And, and the premise for what I'm saying is that when your life is in balance, in the middle of this wheel here, in the middle of this wheel, you're at peace. You're at ease. You're not being thrown around. And what we've tried to say and tried to show you is that when you're in the middle of the wheel, that peace comes from inside. It's not, see, your world is still spinning. And we could put you out here, the circumstances have not changed. It's exactly the same wheel, exactly the same spin. And the premise here is that peace is not a matter of what's happening out there. It's a matter of what's already in here. And if you don't have balance in your life, and, and I'm going to say that to get your life in balance, here are 10 proven principles for getting your life in balance. And if your life is not enjoying peace now, chances are your life is not in balance. And so we're trying to encourage people to take these principles and apply them in their own life so that they can live a balanced life. And here's the question I want to look at today. And if I can show you these questions, this is an aspect of, of, of this life balance principle today. This is life balance principle number nine. We'll see this in a moment. And here's the question. Have you ever met someone with a particularly strong sense of justice? Really, you know, they'll say things like, that's not right. Oh, that's wrong. A strong sense of justice. And, and oftentimes, some parents will notice that in a, in a very young age of their children. So a strong sense of justice. Have you ever met someone who was passionate about helping the poor? Have you? 
I've met people that, that, that it's, it's almost as if they read the Bible. It's almost as if they read a different Bible, actually, because I want to help the poor, but not like these guys are totally passionate about it. Have you ever met someone who, who had tremendous compassion for the unwell? They, they had phenomenal sympathy for people who were ill, injured, uh, not feeling great. Um, l- let me flip that. Have you ever met anyone who showed no compassion for anyone who was unwell? I see those hands. I see they're a little. They're just little. They're going up, and some of them are like. <laughs> Have you ever met someone who was deeply concerned about human rights? Deeply concerned about human rights. And when, when you see people on the 6 o'clock news or whatever it is where they're marching and they've got banners and, and, and they have the words rights on their banners, it's, it's very easy to look at them and perhaps see the, the tattoos and the piercings and the dreadlocks and think, and, and form an opinion about them without realising these, these people... Uh, are actually probably in this category deeply, deeply concerned about rights. Chances are, if you have, you've met someone who has, who has latched on intuitively to one of these life balance principles. And, and all of these issues, all of these things come from this particular life balance principle, and it is this that human beings are unique. And not only are we unique, we are unique in nature, who we are, how we are. We're unique in our identity. We're unique in our value. We are unique. We are not like insects. We are not like animals. We are not, as I said before, meat from the top down. We are different. We are unique. And all of those issues that I mentioned before actually come out of a, a, a deep intuitive knowledge that we are indeed unique. I'm going to share with you a couple of scriptures, Genesis 1.26, because what I'm painting to you now is not a Christian picture of the world. I'm actually painting a picture that is the real picture of the world. This is not just Christianity, this is reality. As Francis Schaeffer said, Jesus doesn't give us an alternate way of looking at the world. He gives us the actual way of looking at the world. And it's grounded in this. And Jesus referred to this. The apostles referred to this. The Bible is built on this. And here it is, Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And if you know anything about literature, oftentimes there's a, a preamble or a, an executive summary of what's to follow. And if you are an executive, you'll know sometimes you get a report that could be 200 pages thick. Genesis 1 is going, uh, God created everything and he created man and woman. Genesis 2 now gives us 
the detail of that. And sometimes if you read this as a person who doesn't quite understand literature, it sounds like, okay, man and woman are created, then you come into chapter 2, oh, he's creating some more. It's not that at all. Mankind was originally created to be in perfect harmony. Now, I, I toyed, should I put the word harmony or should I put the word balance? And I probably should have put, well, I put the word harmony. But really, it's, it's in perfect balance. In, and what are, the, what are the constraining factors of, of man's creation? Well, in perfect harmony or balance with God, with others, with Eve. You know, before mankind fell into sin, or should I say fell into grace, they sinned and then fell into grace. That's just by the way. Uh, he was in harmony with God, others, himself, and nature. Adam, the original man, was created perfectly balanced. He, he had peace. He, and, and because he was at peace with himself, because he wasn't out of the middle of God's will, he had peace with Eve. They never had a fight. They never had a disagreement. They were just in perfect peace. And, and so that's how mankind was created, created to be balanced. And so you know when, when your life is a little bit out of centre, <laughs> slow that down a bit um, you, you, it just feels like every, you know, and you hear people talk like this everything is going wrong and their, their perspective changes because suddenly instead of their focus being, being straight up at the potter in the middle of the wheel their focus, their eyes are off and they're out here and they're looking at circumstances shoom, shoom, and it feels, it's a blur and it feels like everything is going wrong and it's hard when you're in that place, when you're out of the centre of the will of God, it's hard to feel peace. It's just hard. So that's the original harmony or balance that mankind enjoyed, the fourfold harmony. And here, as I mentioned, as we now give you this instalment of this series, the ten proven life balance principles that will deliver peace, that will deliver happiness. Because happiness... I want to show you is not so much about your circumstances and that word happy as we defined it in this series and if you'd like to hear this series just see Jared at the back there and say I'd like to hear this series Jared and he will gladly put it on CD for you or whatever if you've got a thumb drive you'll whack it on a thumb drive for you. So we, we define happiness as, as, a, as, a, as again it's something that comes from in here it's a sense of contentment it's a sense of being thankful for what you've got and I ask the question what if today you only had what you were thankful for yesterday? What would you have today? You see, the person who has happiness coming from the inside, rather than saying, you, you are making me unhappy, a truly balanced person doesn't talk like that because what you do is your business. This is the message MI6 did not want you to hear. I'm going to talk about the valley of a human life. And if you've ever watched a James Bond movie, and I must admit, I watch them for ministry purposes just to see, just so I can connect with people who aren't, you know, Christian and just to see what level they're on. And I've seen them all five times. And I, you do have to remind yourself, this is not real. This is utter fantasy. And James Bond kills people like we kill flies. And this is why I say MI6 would not be impressed with this message because I'm going to give you a message that human life is precious, it is unique, 
It has inherent dignity. We're going to look at this and we're going to, hopefully, I'm going to show you that the person on your left and the person on your right, the person behind you, the person in front of you, is actually a nice person, a good person, and someone who has inherent worth. Here's the, the, again the premise based on those two verses of Scripture, Genesis 126 and 127, and it, and it says, God has conditionally gifted mankind with a type of his life. And, and here's the, the thing. It's a conditional gifting. And it's a gift that looks like this. Imagine if you're going to go on a holiday and you've got a really nice, supercharged, red, 2017 model for 308 GT Ferrari. And you go, and this is where I play subliminal suggestion. You have that car and you're going on two months vacation and you come up to me on a Sunday, you give me the keys, you go, Andrew, could you please look after my car for the two months? I'm going, really? Yeah, I am gifting you this car for two months. Look after it. No worries, mate. That'd be awesome. I get a few looks, I reckon, as a pastor of a church. Yeah, that'd be right. We know what church is about. They're driving a Ferrari, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, there's a conditional gifting of that car. It's a duration, and I don't actually own it. I don't know if you've thought about this, but your life is a conditional gift from God. It's like someone giving you the keys, can I tell you, to something far more valuable than a 308 GT Ferrari. Far more valuable. It's the keys are your life. Your life is a conditional gift from God. It's not like he's given it and he said, oh, just do whatever you want with it. He has not said that. He has not said, do whatever you want with it. I give it to you. It's, it's not like we give gifts and, and once you give it, that's it. That you can't, you've got no say in it after you've given it. God gives his his image to us, his, his gift of life to us in a conditional way. And the conditions are, there's a duration to it. You have a certain number of years on this earth. And probably none of us know how many years that is. And in that time, you've got this gift of life. And it's a great gift, isn't it? What a privilege. Someone said God's gift to us is our life. Our gift back to him is what we do with it. And so the, the life that he has given us, if you get this, it's not ours. That's why for centuries as Western civilizations were built, their laws were built on the foundation of the Judeo-Christian belief. That's why suicide was illegal. Now, I remember hearing that as a young fellow thinking, suicide's illegal, how do you prosecute them? I mean, I'm, and I'm, I'm not trying to be silly here. I'm, I think, how do you prosecute someone who's committed suicide? And here's what I've learned, is that laws, legislation, statutes on the, book, on the books, they do more than provide consequences and punishment. They inform a society about what society should value. That's why suicide, I think, is still illegal. I'll have to check on that. Because it informs society. This is not yours to take away. That's why, I hope you'll see in a moment, why it's immoral and wrong to promote euthanasia. And you hear people who don't understand this say this, it's my life, I can do with it whatever I want. 
the thing is, it's not your life in the same way if I did have someone's Ferrari, it's not my Ferrari, I can't do with it whatever I want. It's not your life. It's God's conditional gift to you. I, I hope that dawns on us to realise this is a gift and God expects us to do something with it. Jesus told the parable of the steward. And this was the point. In, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, this is after the flood. So this is Noah being instructed by God. And you can imagine all of mankind, save Noah and his family, have been wiped out. There's not a whole lot of people left. And God gives this reiteration of a command that they clearly knew from the outset. And, and in Romans chapter 2, it says God's law is, is actually written on our hearts and this law about the value of life was clearly written on human hearts why how do we know that because after adam and eve sinned the very first sin that happened was when cain killed abel he took a life and they and he knew it was wrong how do we know he knew it was wrong because the moment god quizzed him on it he lied about it there's the next sin but here it says whoever sheds the blood of a man by man his blood shall be shed. God made man in his own image. So you see, God tells us the reason why it's wrong. Not just for you to take your own life. And please, I don't want to be flippant with this. But if you get to that point where you, where you think the only option is for you to take your life, please, please talk to someone. Call us. We would love to talk with you about whatever you're facing and show you that you do have options. If you're out here and the wheel is spinning, it is very difficult to see your options. But we want to help you to realise there is a centre. Life is not so bad you have to take it, that you have to take your own life. It's, not, it's, it's just not. And so God says, not only should you not take your own life, you shouldn't take anyone else's either. Because everyone is created in the image of God. That's what God says and that's the 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 motivation and the basis for it. Human life is uniquely valuable. It's uniquely valuable. And what makes mankind unique? What is it that makes us unique? I want to give a few things here for us to think about. Number one, we are created immortal. And, and you might think, well, hang on, doesn't immortal mean uncreated? No, it doesn't, actually. It just means it will not have a mortality, which means death. Mortality means we'll die. Immortality means just won't die. So we're created. We have a beginning. Now, that you might think, you might be yawning. You might be going, I hope not, because that would be a little bit overkill if you did act like that. But if you're thinking, what's the point? We know we're created. Yeah, but see, Mormons teach that we were not created. Mormons teach that we are part of the pantheon of gods who have always pre-existed and we, we were taken by, I don't know, storks or something and, and, and conceived in someone, but we actually had a pre-existence. That's Mormonism. And that when we die, we will go, if you're a man, sorry women, only men get to be gods in a Mormon heaven. In the actual real heaven, that's just a load of bunk. That's just not true at all. In, 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 the, in reality, we're created. And before we're created... We did not exist. But the moment you're created, you're created to never die. Now you might think, well, that's crazy. I went to a funeral the other week, someone died. Yeah, their body did. But we are created 
with a body and a spirit. And together, the Bible calls that combination a soul. And I know that's going to raise all sorts of questions with people. But I could prove that to you if I had the time. So we are a living soul. God took Adam, a body, breathed the spirit into him, and God said, now you are a living soul. That's what it says in Genesis 2. So we are created, and when our body dies, our soul will never die. That's what makes us unique. In Ecclesiastes, it says that's not the fate of animals. Secondly, we are invested with inherent dignity. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. We bear his likeness. You ever seen someone? Kim gets this all the time. They they see uh, one of our daughters and they go, Oh, don't you look like your mother? You are so blessed. I'm thinking, yeah, finish that sentence, fella. Don't you look like your mother? You are so blessed that you didn't end up looking like your father. And our girls do look like Kim. And they are indeed blessed. And in the same way that there's likeness there, we have likeness to God. We bear his likeness. It's not just physical, it's the traits. And if you've seen the movie about um, Dr Livingston, I presume, made in the 1940s, there's a scene there where Stanley, the reporter, comes back to London and, he, and he's saying, I found him, I found him, and no one believes him. <laughs> no one believes him. And he spent three months with Dr Livingston in the Congo. He found him in the depths of the jungle and he comes back to London and he's saying, he's mapped the Congo River and here it is. And they go, oh, you've made it up. You're a journalist. You're just trying to make money. You'd, we don't believe you at all. And then Dr Livingston's daughter came down from Scotland and met up with, with the reporter Stanley. And, and as she was spending time with him, she noticed that he now had some of her father's mannerisms. He was now using little expressions of speech that her father used. And she said, you've been with him. You've been with him. I know you've been with him. You are like him. And every one of us bear the likeness of God. Every one of us. We have this deep within us. We are invested with inherent dignity, therefore. Inherent dignity. You don't have to have someone give you dignity. You don't have to fight for dignity. You have it inherently because of who you are. Thirdly, we are invited into fellowship with God in a way that animals and insects are not. We are. We are invited into fellowship with God. This is awesome. If you're lonely, and again, I don't want to belittle this. I Really, I don't. But can I tell you, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And his name is Jesus. And that's not a glib throwaway pastorism. It's something that I and many others have come to know as a reality. We are invited into fellowship with God. And then fourthly, because we're created in the image of God, we are all created equal. Doesn't the American Constitution preamble this? The preamble goes something like, uh, we, we believe that all men are created equal by God. And it goes on and it talks about uh, something about having inherent value and dignity in the preamble to the American Constitution. And we can see that because of the image of God in man, here's number five, we have rights bestowed to us. What's the, what's the right that we're dealing with right now? It's the right to enjoy the gift that God has given us. And what is that 
primary gift that God has given us, the gift of life. In fact, the UN, the United Nations, has this as the first human right. Every person has the right to live. The right to live. Now, can I tell you, just in a friendly way, if you are not a God believer, you do not believe there is a God, you are an atheist, you deny the existence of God, can I tell you, in your way of looking at the world, there is no God, therefore there cannot be anyone who bestows rights to human beings. Therefore, in your way of looking at the world, no one has any rights. And isn't there something intuitive in you that says that's not right? That's not right. So if you think about this, if we do have any rights, and as we've sort of been going through these principles, we, we looked at do not steal, or, or uh, that, that God actually invests into his law the right to own property, the right to possess, the right to acquire, the right to earn, the right to receive a reward for effort. God bestows rights. But if you don't have God in your picture, there's no rights. It's worth considering that the Christian worldview is the worldview that makes the best sense of the world. Jesus, in talking about this distinction between us human beings and birds, said this, Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. You might think, well, what, what's that got to do with it? Well, it, it just reinforces this point, that God has made us of more value here I just want to bring this down the home stretch. There's a little but. I don't know if you like little buts, but here's a little but, so to speak. And I need to give you this technical difference because I pastored in a, a, a part of Melbourne some uh, 24 years ago when we were right near a, a military base. In fact, half of our church was made up of military personnel. And I'm a pacifist. I would not bear arms. I, I don't own a gun. I, I, not, not because I've got anything against guns. I just have no fascination with them at all. And I just want every gun owner here to know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, 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 I pastored in this church where men were called to go to war. Men and women were called to go to war. And, and can I tell you, in Scripture, there's a difference between murder and killing. See, the, the command, the, the, uh, the sixth command is not do not kill. The sixth command of the Ten Commandments is do not commit murder. And killing is different because there are times, as we saw in Genesis 9-6, when God actually does sanction the taking of life as a punishment. And if we had the time, I would talk to you about the fact that many of the punishments in the Old Testament were not about punishment, but they were about highlighting just how serious the issue was. And when God says, if you murder, your life shall be taken. He's actually not... We read it with the emphasis of punishment, but the point is the emphasis is on don't do this because. And I think sometimes we lose that. There is a difference... Here's the, the, the other second but. But there is a difference in the consequence for humans. You see, we bear the image of God. When we die, there's a consequence that we face that animals don't. There's a consequence that some will enjoy. There is a consequence that some will not enjoy for eternity. 
This is why I'm so passionate about protecting the life of the unborn. It's why I'm so passionate about protecting the life of those who are in a nursing home on a ventilator who are being artificially sustained. It's why I'm so passionate about taking people and helping people who perhaps are suffering from depression and helping them realise there is hope. You don't have to take your life. Taking your life or having someone take it for you is not the solution. In fact, it sends a really horrible message. A human being is a human being despite their size, despite their location, despite their environment and despite their level of dependency. And if we had time, we'd unpack that. But I think you've got the picture. So, so from conception, that zygote will not receive one more piece of genetic information to make that person into a fully developed adult. It's all there. We are created with the invitation to come into fellowship with God. In other words, we're created with an invitation that even though you're on the outside with your world spinning, God invites you to come into the middle and be with Him. It's good to be reminded of our inherent worth as humans created by God, invested with dignity and invited into relationship with Him. More from Dr Corbett next week with the final in the series 10 Proven Keys to a Balanced Life. Tonight's program, The Message MI6, did not want you to hear number nine in the series of 10 Proven Keys to Balanced Living, as well as other Finding Truth Matters podcasts and resources are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We invite you to join us again next week for more Finding Truth Matters.